Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. First of all, I'd really like to thank the people that have taken time to leave a, a nice review for us, whether it be iTunes or CastBox or wherever the case may be. Some of them are <clears throat> are actually just downright funny to me. <laughs> Give me an example. Uh, I was just the other day, I laughed out loud and actually called Nancy over to show her because she was wondering what was so funny. And uh, it's a three-star review from somebody who calls themselves Pierced1692. Pierced1692. Gives us a whopping three stars and says, quote, mediocrity at its finest. (gasps) At its finest? Yeah. We do the finest mediocrity. I took that as a, why did you give us only three stars? I think you really like us and you're just, you're confused (laughs) by your words. I know I I am. I see it here. The title of the review is, meh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks, Pierce, to 1692. We appreciate you. We love you, too. Taking the time. Oh, and next time, uh, leave us a link to your podcast so we can review it. We'd love to hear what you're putting out there. (laughs) Um, I I think that maybe they were confused, because that sounds like a five-star review to me. (laughs) I'm going to take it that way. It does say finest. Mm -hmm. It does indeed. It says finest. It's like when my dad purchased from a discount grocery store mustard and it wasn't the mustard I wanted. So when he came home, I was like, this is garbage mustard. I'm not eating this. And he was like, what are you talking about? It says fancy right on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, that's a point, I guess. (laughs) It's a point. It says fancy right on it. It was a fountain of wisdom, that man. (laughs) Speaking of grocery stores, I just got a text from from Nancy. She's, uh, She's off doing some damn thing somewhere. And I'm supposed to go to Trader Joe's to get ingredients for uh, pizza tonight. We're going to be watching Monday Night Football and having Ooh. pizza. 
And you know how autocorrect loves to take the most regular, unconfusing things and change them into mm-hmm. gobbledygook? Right. It changed her crimini mushrooms into criminology mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to go into Trader Joe's and say, excuse me, where would I find your criminology mushrooms? It's got to have something to do with the body farm. I know it. Right? Yeah, it, it must. <laughs> it's funny because we, we actually told the story on Box of Oddities uh, this week. Kat was placing an Instacart order. And I've become very fond of Coca-Cola from Mexico. And she she uh, started laughing. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the yeah. autocorrect had uh, had ordered something different, uh, and they were out of Mexican cock. So no lo tengo, lo siento. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys, I got a story for you here, and let's let's just be honest. Can we just put all the cards on the table here? Please do. We all know that police officers love donuts. Sure we do. In fact, one of the greatest artists of the 20th century once said, all the cops in the donut shops go, way oh, way oh. <laughs> right? It's not uncommon for donut shops to offer law enforcement officials a discount on their purchases. And that's a nice thing until somebody starts abusing this discount. Oh, damn it. A 48-year-old Florida man mm. named Charles Barry was familiar with the discount offered to law enforcement at Dunkin' Donuts, and he would show up and flash his badge and demand his discount. And that's fine every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But then he started coming in like every day, and that's when it began to irritate the local manager. They still honored the discount, you know, I mean, they're being nice and stuff. But then Mr. Barry, he upped the game. He started coming in on the weekends with his entire family and demanding a discount. Oh, that's just bad show. I, I agree. That's rude. And uh, apparently he, he wasn't asking. He was demanding. Uh, he was a regular customer. But by this point, they were getting a bit fed up with Mr. Barry. You know, I can't imagine with that many donuts, he was that regular. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. (laughs) So the manager of the Dunkin' Donuts location that he frequented decided to no longer offer him the discount because Uh of the the abuse. Uh Uh-oh. But the next day he comes back anyway and he places an order and the cashier says that they were not eligible for a discount. So... He pulled out his badge and he showed it to the employee, and the employee still refused to issue the discount, so Mr. Barry allegedly pulled out his firearm (gasps) and said, see, I'm a cop. Now, that seemed a bit aggressive, so they gave him the discount, he went on his way, but the employee that served him uh, told the manager about this encounter, and the manager then reported the incident to the police department. Sure he did. Just like clockwork the next day, Barry was back to place another order and get his discount. Officer Barry. So as he was leaving, the manager wrote down Barry's license plate number, and they again contacted the police with uh, with this new information. I'm assuming they ran the plate numbers because at this point they realized this guy wasn't a cop. (gasps) Oh, boy. That's when they set up surveillance at the Dunkin' Donuts location. The next day... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Barry comes back. Sure he did. But this time, the Pasco Sheriff's Office stopped him as he drove away from the outlet. He was allegedly carrying a law enforcement badge that was not his in his wallet, and he had a thirty-eight caliber revolver in his pants. Oh, not good. Oh, fake not Officer good. Barry. 
<clears throat> Fake Officer Barry was charged after store employees identified him. He was charged with impersonating law enforcement uh, and an improper exhibition of a firearm. Mm-hmm. He was then booked into the county jail and released later that day after posting uh, $5,150 in bond. Um, now, Barry did have a permit to carry his gun as a civilian. <laughs> Uh, But the badge belonged to his deceased father, who had been a police officer in New Jersey. So he had a badge and a gun and an insatiable desire for delicious, fresh baked goods. What does one expect? Loved him some crullers, he did. He said, quote, I did a stupid thing. I showed a badge to get a law enforcement discount on my food. Um (laughs) New Jersey Police Captain James Malo. Now, this is the department in New Jersey that his dad was a cop for, for years. Captain Malo told the Tampa Tribune, quote, From what I heard, he was very sorry he did what he did. I believe he was even crying on the scene. He made a huge mistake, and he understood that. Highly, highly illegal. <clears throat> and also <clears throat> the whole stolen valor thing. Stolen right? valor thing. Yeah, we've touched on that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. But also, if he was really, truly sorry and recognized that he had done uh, what we might call a no-no, um, wouldn't he have stopped when Dunkin' Donuts said, could you stop it, please? No, it took police <laughs> arresting him. Yeah, right. So yeah. I feel like yeah. he's really, he doesn't recognize exactly. It sounds like he was sorry he got caught. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I agree. And flashing your gun. <laughs> Come on. At somebody to get a discounted donut. I mean, America runs on flashing guns to get your donut. (laughs) And not even a free donut, a discount donut. Yeah. How much is that discount, maybe? Like 20%? So we saved saved a a, a little bit of change. 17 cents? I bet the bond outweighed that discount. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No. Those donuts ended up being very expensive for him. So it is, it's important that we don't impersonate an officer of the law. It's, it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Jethro, do you happen to have another story well, about somebody impersonating a there, law enforcement There officer? are some people that just can't resist, Linz. <laughs> yeah. Take Aiden Juarez Ramirez, a 22-year-old Grapevine, Texas man, for example. Um, it was a Sunday night, and an unsuspecting couple of motorists were heading home on <laughs> Highway 360 North outside of Dallas. Suddenly they saw red and blue lights flashing in their rear view mirror and it was not dark yet. So they could see the vehicle with the lights behind them and they became suspicious. Uh, This was not a police car that was trying to pull them over. It was an old beat up white pickup truck. Hmm. It had an elaborate set of police lighting, uh, nearly identical to the type that you would see on a law law enforcement uh, vehicle. And of course, that's not legal. So something didn't feel right to them. Thinking it might not be a good idea to pull over, they called 911. And they told the police what was going on, and they suspected that the vehicle behind them was not an official police vehicle. They stayed on the phone while the dispatcher directed real law enforcement officials to to the location. <laughs> now we're talking. And police quickly arrived and stopped the white pickup truck with the police lights. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Kim Smith said that Ramirez was arrested on a charge of impersonating a public official. 
He told the police that he did mount the lights on his truck, but didn't say why. Nor did he tell him what he planned to do if he was successful in pulling someone over. He simply said, quote, I'm just infatuated with the police. That's always the, the serial killer. Mm-hmm. Serial killer. Oftentimes, that's yeah. that's the case. Oh, yeah. We, wow. we totally knew that guy. He used to hang out at the police officer bar. <laughs> yeah. Very right. Ed Kemper. Oh, my God. Right. But realistic police lights were not the only police-related equipment he had. He also had a badge. And a big box of donuts. But his badge was not as realistic as the lights were. It appeared to be some sort of homemade police identification. Apparently, he had fashioned it out of a gift card from a Chipotle. And he had just written the word police underneath it, right underneath the Chipotle logo, which served as some sort of official emblem. Uh, Still visible on the card. Can't you picture him sitting at his kitchen table and looking at the finished product and going, yeah, this looks great. (laughs) This ought to work as a badge. I'm pretty happy with this. Now I really want Chipotle. Um, Anyway, he was arrested. Uh, but, But these stories reminded me of a guy who used to live on the same road that we did in Maine. We called him Sheriff Sheriff Jeff. Jeff. Sheriff Jeff was, um, I don't know, I'd prob- I'd say probably in his 40s. Yeah. He had a, a chicken coop in his front yard that he made out of an abandoned trampoline. And, okay. And he had an old Crown Vic. Sure. An old, an old police car. Yeah. And one day we woke up and his picture was on the front page of the local newspaper, the Bangor Daily. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And he had uh, apparently, it looked like he got some sort of a uh, army surplus uniform. Mm-hmm. And he tried to impersonate a sheriff's deputy in order to bust a legal marijuana growing facility. Hmm. Uh, These guys had permits to grow medicinal marijuana. And he thought, hey, I'll just go in there with my army surplus uniform. And he had written the word sheriff on the pocket with a magic marker. (laughs) It didn't work. um, Because there was surveillance on site. And then the newspaper published published uh, the picture on the front page and I'm at the corner store and a mutual neighbor of ours and uh, Sheriff Jeff's goes, hey, did you see Sheriff Jeff in the newspaper this morning? (laughs) 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 It wasn't long before police, real police showed up and uh, took him into custody. So uh, you were not the only neighbor that referred to him as Sheriff Jeff. Oh, no. No, everybody called him Sheriff Jeff. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) He's an interesting guy. And he wasn't supposed to drive. You know, he didn't have his license. And so he would just drive his Crown Vic in a circle around the road where we uh, where we lived. This is priceless. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> wow. Sheriff Jeff. I miss that road. <laughs> we used to tell people that would come to visit us, yeah, you turn right at the uh, trampoline chicken coop. And uh, it's about another 300 feet. And they would say, isn't that Sheriff Jeff's place? Yes, that's what they say. (laughs) And you'd say, yes. When I lived uh, in Long Beach, Krispy Kreme was a fairly new thing Mm -hmm. in Southern California. And they hit, Krispy Kreme hit this idea of, because they were right next door to the police station, the police headquarters for the city of Long Beach. And they, they thought, wouldn't this be great on opening day to have like 25, 30 Long Beach police cruisers snaking their way through the drive-thru and we'll do a publicity <laughs> shot from a, like from a ladder 
we'll do a publicity shot of all these police cars at Krispy Kreme and the whole cliche of the donut-loving cop. And the chief of police for the city of Long Beach agreed to it. And then the the day before they were going to do it, got cold feet and said, you know, I don't think the optics for this are good. I'm going to have to pull out. And what if uh, maybe the, I don't know, the bad, always in trouble brother-in-law of the manager of the Krispy Kreme took that opportunity to rob a bank? There's something I hadn't even thought of. Right? You got to make your way through the drive-thru to get on the case. Just a bad, bad scene. Cops and their donuts. Way oh, way oh. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. Back in 1902... A man from Gorin, Missouri, Theodore Schneble, named a new post office for his wife, Sedona. And over the years, visitors have been drawn to its striking red rocks, achingly blue skies, and special energy that permeates this very special place. Fact is, tourism is the number one source of revenue for this town. And why not? You want overpriced hotels? We've got them in droves. Cheap t-shirt shops that sell crappy sunglasses and postcards? You can't swing a dead cat without hitting one every block. You want to find psychics? Someone who'll sell you crystals that contain healing energies and guides who'll take you to a place they call a vortex? We got more batshit crazy here than even Florida. We just cost more. Way more. Come visit Sedona, Arizona and see for yourself how outrageous real estate, overpriced restaurants, and Flatter society members driving ugly colored four-wheel drive trucks can get you to spend money like a chimpanzee on crack, all against the backdrop of some of the most beautiful sunsets you'll ever see. We're Sedona, and we've been selling that name for over a century. Not affiliated with the Sedona Office of Tourism. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you.
This is your friendly lifeguard with a public service announcement. Stay out of the fucking deep end. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. All right, I'm just finishing my donut. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, now we're going to. Uh, do we have some incredible deep dives into the shallow end from listeners? We we do. Okay, because um, I want to hear them once again. We uh, we do appreciate hearing from you guys. Our Email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to send us a, a story of your dive into the shallow end or one that you've witnessed, we'd love to hear it. Uh, also, just if you want to say hello. This comes from Liz. Hey, guys, I wanted to share it with you my shitty Tinder date story. That yes, would be please. a great podcast in and of itself. Oh, I'm sure Wouldn't it is. Wouldn't it? Shitty Tinder dates. I'm sure it is. I'm changing the names of the people and dogs in this story to protect their identity. <laughs> You know things are serious when somebody's changing the names of the dogs. <laughs> but you can use my first name. I fostered dogs through a rescue. And at the time of this story, I had my own dog and a foster named Daisy that I had just moved in that week. I met a guy on Tinder, Gary, and we both were interested in a restaurant bar in town that uh, has a lot of craft beers on tap. So we met over there for dinner. We ate a big meal. We had several dark, heavy, rich beers. It was going all right. So we went to my house to watch a movie and be with the dogs. I didn't want to leave them, the new foster dog, home alone too long. What a loving mother. When we got home, I noticed that my guts were not happy with my choice of overeating and drinking all of those fancy beers. It was a lot of gurgling, and I definitely needed to poop. So <laughs> I knew this was going to be a super loud one, so I couldn't do it with him in the living room because Gary would hear it. And I couldn't go to the upstairs bathroom because he'd know I was pooping, which would be the worst. <laughs> Me, being a brilliant person that I am, said I was going to take the dogs outside. I have a fenced-in backyard, and it was dark out. <laughs> so I went behind the garage and had explosive diarrhea. No. Oh, baby. I was so glad I went outside. I brought toilet paper. So when I was all done, I went back in to resume the evening. Like nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing already, right? Well... After 40 minutes or so, Gary went to the fridge to get another beer. He thought he'd be helpful and let the dogs out. What a nice guy, right? Well, Daisy found my nightmare poop and rolled in it. <gasps> oh. She then came back into the house covered in my shit. Oh, no. <laughs> it was the grossest, worst thing ever. Gary said, wow, your dog doesn't smell very nice. He drank the beer quickly and went home. That Christmas, my mom bought me a five-gallon bucket with a toilet seat to leave in the garage in case something like this happened again. <laughs> oh, Liz. What a loving mom. We love you so much for sharing that. That's just just delightful. <clears throat> the, uh, the lifeguard actually wrote Liz and thanked her for the submission <laughs> and said, we're guessing that uh, Gary didn't ask for another date. And Liz wrote back, the dogs were fine. They just needed a bath. And Gary fizzled out. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liz, for writing. That's great. This segues very nicely, I, I will point out, to, uh, to my story, which is actually a first for this podcast. I believe that an entire story is submitted by a listener because 
they are a direct participant therein. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. I love yeah. this. Let's hear it. Calendar-wise, I we all I think we were talking about this when we were together in Mexico. As much as we all love summer, there's something about this time of the year where things start getting cooler and crisper mm. and you start segueing into into autumn. Mm-hmm. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. And uh, which means, you know, time starting to speed up, which means Halloween is just weeks away, or as you guys call it, the quarter of Halloween. Yeah, yeah we're within Halloween quarter. We celebrate it yeah. like 90 yeah, days yeah, yeah. out of the year. God bless you. <laughs> so it's the time of year for trees, lights, wreaths, decorations, and the centerpiece for, for many families, of course, is a good old-fashioned Christmas tree, which always makes me smile because, you know, when you first get the tree and it becomes the point of focus for the whole home and you you say, you know, we should put the tree closer to the front window this year or let's sit by the tree and have our drinks there or let me get your picture by the tree. The tree just dominates the whole house. It's the cent- It's the centerpiece. It, it smells incredibly good if you have a fresh tree. It's absolutely true in our house. In uh, Last year, we had an artificial tree. It was the first year that we'd had an artificial tree. All of our previous Christmases, we have always had real trees, and we had a huge 17-foot ceiling. And so every year, it was my goal to get a tree that was one foot taller and than, <laughs> than the previous year. And we got up to about I don't know, 12 feet, Yeah, I think. Wow. And we had to like, the, the fire department had to come and put the star on the top and stuff. It was, it was really quite, uh, quite involved. How do you get something like that home? We'd throw it in the back of the pickup truck. Just put a little red tag at the end of it. This mm-hmm. was Maine after all, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I think you're forgetting yeah. it is <laughs> the Maine. rural nature of the place that we used to live. If you can't live. throw it in the back of a pickup, there's no sense right. in buying it. And the tree is such an important, <laughs> as you said, focus point for me right. during the holiday season. At Christmas time, I loved, you know, I get up first thing in the morning, I turn the lights on. And we had a huge power outage uh, for about oh my gosh, it was what, three days we were yeah. out We yeah. were out of out of power. And so at the time we had a, a generator and it wasn't a real powerful one. We could run a couple of things. Just uh, the essentials. Yeah, so we, uh, we ran uh, the electric fireplace uh, and the tree. <laughs> and that was it. Those were the two most important yep. things in the house. Well, yep. it was cold out, you know. Sure. Screw the refrigerator. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we ate sandwiches that were non-refrigeratable. Refrigeratable, the refrigeratable. Re- re- yeah. Anyway. So anyway, this is what always strikes me funny because then, beginning roughly December twenty sixth, it's a countdown to get the damn thing out of the house. Get rid of it. And what was the centerpiece of the home? You now see tossed on the curb or upside down in a trash can, <laughs> or sawed into small logs. But it's like, forget that damn thing. I'm tired of the tree. Get it out of here. People are always left with, with the choice of, well, how are you going to get rid of your holiday tree? And as you know, there are lots of different things. You, in, actually, in, in some cities, there are charities will come and, and pick it up for a small fee as a fundraising thing. Some Boy Scout troops offer pickup service, or you can drop your tree to recycling center. I or... used to drag it down and leave it in the yard at Sheriff Jeff's. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the trampoline? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No one But noticed. some people have a more creative way oh. of getting rid of their tree. <laughs> and this, this brings us to our beloved listener, Lauren. She and her husband live in Utah. And before we start this story, in terms of 
of what we're about to hear story-wise, which involves burning Christmas tree. You need to remember that these coniferous, <laughs> I just love that word, mm. needles contain nitrogen and what are called terpenes, which are highly toxic when burned. Oh. And they can make the smoke of burning a Christmas tree actually dangerous to, to breathe. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Lauren writes, hi, my husband and I are longtime listeners of the Box of Oddities, and we love the shallow end. Thanks for giving us another bright spot in our week. I thought I would share a family tradition <laughs> that grew into a brief dip of our own into the shallow end. Uh-oh. <laughs> Backstory, the state of Utah celebrates a holiday July 24th of every year called Pioneer Day. And it's basically turned into an extension of the 4th of July, meaning picnics, parades, fireworks, etc. My family and some close family friends started a tradition of saving our live Christmas tree and burning it on Pioneer Day, July 24th. Not sure why, but that's what we did. So stop tape a sec. Keep in mind, this is a full seven months after Christmas, right? Yeah. So you can just imagine how dried out these Christmas trees are going to be seven months after Christmas and now in the heat of summer. I mean, they're just, they're just a tinderbox. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lauren continues, our friends have a fire pit in their backyard where the burn would take place every year. And it was fun to see how quickly that dry, dried Christmas tree <laughs> would catch on fire and just how fast it burned down. Mm. The flames were hot, fast, but they died down in minutes. This is where, this is where I just fall in love with, with this story. Remember, uh, I think it was Steven Tyler from Aerosmith said, Any, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> that seems right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh. Lauren says this Christmas tree burning tradition grew over the years, and our dive headfirst into the shallow end <laughs> drew even closer. So over the years, one tree turned into two and then the next year it was three. Oh, so neighbors neighbors would come over and watch that one tree burn and eventually because god bless america somebody said well if one tree's great let's let's kick ours in and watch and watch what happens right sure. so this continued to to grow and multiply and they finally ended up with six christmas trees <laughs> Because neighbors had caught on to this tradition, and they were saving their trees for this annual burn at the neighborhood party on July 24th. I love that sort of community involvement. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sweet. So Lauren says the method of lighting the fire also evolved over time. First, we would just start with match and gasoline. Mm. But then we realized it was too scary to be that close to the tree when it lit. So, being ingenious Americans, they used Roman candles (laughs) instead. And then somebody said, well, what if we tie firecrackers to the trees Mm, to add to the fun? (laughs) So she says, all this culminates in our last burn in the year 2015. Now, remember, we had six Christmas trees. They're all tied together. Oh. They're all doused in gasoline. <laughs> They've got firecrackers <laughs> tied to the branches. And, of course, Roman candles 
to light the whole thing ablaze. My God, that must have been an awesome display of pyrotechnics. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And at at this point, you guys may want to to take a look at the photo that I sent you that Lauren sent. Okay, pulling it open now. I'll continue to read as you guys are looking for this. Lawyer, uh, Lauren says, the fire was incredibly stupid big. Now, at no time, it's important to point out, was any structure ever in danger. And they were smart enough to have several garden hoses on Whoa. and running just in case. But she says, the blaze was huge. I just got the picture open. <laughs> We all laughed and marveled at Holy how crap. fast <laughs> the blaze was burning. Oh my God. So hot, so quick. And it actually fizzled out. It died within two minutes. Wow. Everyone was laughing and chatting afterwards when suddenly we heard sirens blaring. <laughs> now, she, she points out in those photos that you guys are looking at, that, that tiny little fence in the background... Mm-hmm is seven feet tall <laughs> for scale. Just to describe this for uh, our listener, it mm-hmm. uh, it looks like, well, one of two things. Remember when the oil wells in uh, Kuwait lit Kuwait? on fire? Yeah. It looks like that, or maybe just the gates of hell have opened. Orange flame billowing skyward, <laughs> many, many stories tall. There's a tiny little fence in the background, or it looks tiny, until you realize that it's actually seven feet tall, so taller than your average person. Based on that, I would say this is 35, 40 feet tall. That's exactly what I guessed, between 35 and 40 feet of flame. Wow. So they're laughing, thinking, boy, that was great, and probably (laughs) sipping an adult beverage or two. And then suddenly they hear fire trucks, and they think, well, I wonder what that's about. It's (laughs) sure as heck not something we need. Right, of course. And... Not one, not two, but three fire trucks speed down the road past their house, and then they circle the neighborhood, and they're clearly, the fire department and these three trucks is looking for a fire, but it's a fire that no is nowhere to be found. Right. I see. Mm-hmm. Because, it turns out, somebody on a hill miles away, says Lauren, from their backyard, saw their their tree burn, the six trees, and assumed that a house was on fire. So now one of the firemen who's friends with the family friends, the people who own the fire pit where this takes takes place, stops by, pulls his truck up, <laughs> comes out in his turnout gear and says, uh, you guys uh, happen to see any fires around here? We got a call about a house on fire. And Lauren and the uh, all the other couples, <laughs> they sheepishly admitted to burning those trees. And they said, yeah, that was us. Uh, are we in trouble? And he says, yeah, you probably don't want to do that anymore, do you? <laughs> because it was so freaking big that people miles away saw these trees burning assumed a house was on fire and, you know, somebody's life is in danger. Mm -hmm. And they scrambled three fire trucks for a fire that actually had already burned itself out. Police probably would have showed up, but they were all at the drive-thru at Krispy Kreme. (laughs) Exactly. Stuck. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, uh, Lauren, congratulations on surviving. And we're glad nobody was hurt. She says, love the podcast. I'm so glad we didn't stay too long in the shallow end. <laughs> yeah. Lauren just, in Utah. Just uh, dip your toe in and that's enough. Great that's story. Enough. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I love that uh, the podcast seems to be growing organically, that people are saying, hey, I've been in the shallow end. I want to share my story with you. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And I wrote Lauren and thanked her for that letter and uh, that email. And I said, I just commend you because so many other shallow end stories uh, take place with, with people who don't have the brains to think, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've had several where they've gone back and done it a second or third time. And it didn't end well. That's the difference between visiting the shallow end and living in the shallow end. (laughs) The difference between dipping your toe in versus swimming around. One provides great stories and the other will probably end in a terrible death. Yeah, it'll provide a concussion at the very (laughs) least. Smoke inhalation (laughs) and a broken neck. (laughs) That'd be a great country song, wouldn't it? Smoke inhalation and a broken neck. (laughs) I could hear Luke Bryan doing that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Absolutely. I was thinking Trace Adkins, but uh, <laughs> either way. You're old school. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you would like to uh, contact us again, it's lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Uh, the website, of course, is just that, shallowendpodcast.com. And we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Even you pierced 1692. With your meh and mediocrity at its finest. (laughs) (laughs) We look forward to uh, hanging out with you again next week. And remember, make good choices. Because your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toph. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say. Even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go.